Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast where we explore compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. And I'm Brittany. And this week we're exploring the theme of education and learning in Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, I am very excited for this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no problems, just all great examples of how education should be done. Absolutely, that's mm-hmm. Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's let's get into it. We have a quote here from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. This quote comes from the first lesson in Defense Against the Dark Arts this year with its new instructor, Dolores Umbridge. Well now, your teaching in this subject has been rather disrupted and fragmented, hasn't it? Stated Professor Umbridge, turning to face the class with her hands clasped neatly in front of her. The constant changing of teachers, many of whom do not seem to have followed any ministry-approved curriculum, has unfortunately resulted in your being far below the standard we would expect to see in your owl year. You will be pleased to know, however, that these problems are now to be rectified. We will be following a carefully structured, theory-centered, ministry-approved course of defensive magic this year. So yeah, she's certainly got a teaching philosophy. <laughs> yes, she does. But she's she's not wrong about everything. Absolutely, Because yeah. they have that really fragmented teaching with all sorts of both qualified and incredibly unqualified people. <laughs> <laughs> like Lockhart, mm-hmm. who didn't actually teach, he just bragged the entire time. And when it's coming from her mouth, ministry approved, you're like, oh, brother, roll your (laughs) eyes. But what Barty Crouch Jr. did when he was masquerading as Moody, that is not okay either. I mean, some of the it maybe could have been valid or at least argued to to be approved. Like they should know how to try to throw off the Imperius curse or, Mm -hmm. or something like that. But... Yeah, you don't really need to show them the killing curse or Crociatus. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Her, she levels valid criticisms of their education at Hogwarts. Yeah, it is a real problem to have a different professor every year or not to have any kind of guiding curriculum over your time. It means that you're going to have a very disjointed education. So she's absolutely right in that element. She just takes it so far in the opposite direction where it's all about ministry approval where the curriculum becomes about what is politically expedient for the ministry rather than what is the best thing for these students to learn yeah it's it's not even like about approval as much as it is about the ministry's agenda Mm -hmm. exactly and even her her pedagogy is a problem her 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 methods of teaching the way that she teaches because because she doesn't teach ex- yeah basically <laughs> it is just having them read through a chapter and it is a way of taking away any personality or any critical thinking it's just regurgitation of information it's not really thinking about and implementing that information mm-hmm. Yes. So a great introduction to discussing education. Yeah. Um, the first criticism of Hogwarts yeah. coming from someone who we have lots to criticize yeah. about. Yeah. There were, there were so many options to choose for a quote that we can just have gone in a lot of directions. But this one, we were like, there's some validity here and there's a lot of problems here. And, you know, that's that's child abuse aside. Yes. So, yes. Torture exactly. aside. Not even getting into that <laughs> element. 
<laughs> but why don't we move into the rest of our discussion? What character did you bring to talk about? I wanted to talk about Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Because he doesn't care about school? Well, I think that he's just an interesting character to, to think about this for a number of reasons. But in particular, because he's the only character who we see be both a student and a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, also the fact that he's a middling student. Yeah. He is not a Hermione. He is not even an Ernie McMillan. He is just someone who is interested in some subjects, but not interested in doing any of the work. Uh, doing his studying. He's interested in what he's good at. Yeah, and mostly that. <laughs> Which is understandable. Absolutely. Frankly, I relate to that a lot. I have been both a student and a teacher, and in both cases, I've found that my passion about a subject is going to affect how much I'm engaged in it and, and how well I do. And when you're not as passionate about it, you need to have a really engaging teacher, mm -hmm. which he often does not have. Absolutely. Professor Bins. Or engaging in the wrong way, Professor <laughs> Snape. Well, and that, that's the thing, is that I like that he he struggles with different classes, and he struggles with them for different reasons. Sometimes he struggles because of the content, because of the class itself. Clearly, divination is not something that Harry is really engaged in. He does not have the gift. Exactly. I don't think that he's particularly gifted in transfiguration either. I think that's something mm -hmm. that he, he tends to struggle with even as he likes Professor McGonagall. But then he has some areas where, regardless of his feelings on the subject, the professor and their teaching style and or abusive behavior yeah. affects his success in that class. Yeah. You know, looking at Professor Bins and Professor Snape as, as examples there. And we see Defense Against the Dark Arts as the thing that he's most passionate about. But he also grows that passion because he is thrust into a life where this is necessary for him. He, he, he talks about this when he becomes the teacher for Dumbledore's army, where it's not anything special about him. It's just the fact that he was lucky and sometimes quick thinking. And yeah, that, that thrust him into a position where these skills were sometimes necessary, sometimes required for him to use it or die. So he was able to build them. And the more he got involved with these kinds of issues, the more he realized these are going to be really necessary for him. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, that I learn about as a teacher myself is how relevance is important in maintaining student engagement, making it so that whatever you're teaching them is relevant, where if I'm teaching about American history, there's certainly important elements of just teaching the important events and themes that happened. But if you're able to make it so that there's some sort of connection with a student's own family history or the experiences that we see today in their society. That is going to make it so that maybe they might be more engaged. That's when I started to actually like history. Totally. At least when I teach it, I am. So he, he kind of has this forced relevance on him of Defense Against the Dark Arts, which make it so that, yeah, that is the thing that he is best at. He gets an outstanding on it, and even Hermione doesn't get that on mm -hmm. her owl. I also like that he starts to become particularly good at Defense Against the Dark Arts when he starts teaching it, because that is something that has been proven to be the case as well, that your ability to teach someone else content is going to make it so that you understand that content much more deeply, mm -hmm. because you're able to 
put it into your own words and comprehend it and explain it in ways that are going to be more personal, more individual, and will help you apply the knowledge in original ways. Mm -hmm. And we see that with him. We see where I think he comes into Dumbledore's army probably more skilled than anyone else there in, in Defense Against the Dark Arts. But by the end of that year, he is actually very capable. He is able to stand up against some of the Death Eaters because he spent all this time not only practicing alongside everyone else, but also having to really think about how to communicate the theory and practice of doing these spells. So yeah, I think that for me, not only do I see myself in Harry or see Harry in myself, because he has imposter syndrome about being a teacher. I mean, that too, yeah. <laughs> That's how he enters, right? It's like, <laughs> it's not that Cedric didn't know more than me. It's not that he wasn't a skilled wizard. It was just an advantage that he had that Cedric just didn't. Yeah, it was that Voldemort cared about him in a way he didn't care about Cedric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he, I mean, before starting Dumbledore's army, he had spent so much time learning defensive spells because he was in the Triwizard Tournament, mm -hmm. right? And so it's like, no, but you still do know more than so many of your peers. Yeah, certainly other fourth yeah. or fifth years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, I, th I think that Harry's a great POV character in not only showing true elements of what can help someone be successful as a student and ways that can make it harder to be successful as a student. But he also, I think, is a, a realistic example of a student. He's not just a genius who's coming in and everything comes easy to him or, or he's just used to putting in all this effort. It's things that he struggles with and that makes him, in many ways, more of an average student than someone like Hermione. And for me, at least, when I was reading this growing up, it made him more approachable. And I think that's valuable in, in literature, in especially children's literature, is being able to see what school can be like for them as well, including mm -hmm. the struggles. Absolutely. It's, it's great that you see it that way. For me, when I was reading it, I was just, it made him more frustrating to me. Like, just do your homework, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as someone who never did his homework, exactly. uh, I can understand it. I still recognize the problems with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you know, well, I mean, maybe and... you could say there's problems with the way that these classes are structured. If he's able to get by without putting this kind of effort in, or I mean, and there's also a problem. There, there are problems with the way that Hermione does things too, mm -hmm. because it's not always only about learning. Some of it is achievement and frustration at not doing the best potion when she, she's used to that and then harry has this other book and then she gets really upset about it you know absolutely so there, there are downsides both ways yes yeah. and and i also think that there might be downsides with the way that these assignments are created where if harry is able to essentially crib off of hermione or harry and ron can make up their divination homework mm -hmm. then there's clearly a problem with the way these assignments are created and there needs to be more intentional objectives behind what this assignment is trying to teach. Absolutely. And also Hermione, stop enabling. <laughs> yes, also that. <laughs> I mean, she does make them do most of the work on their own. Absolutely. But then she'll like check it and all sorts of stuff. Because she doesn't have enough going on in her own life. Of course not. Yeah. Well, can you share your plot point? 
Yeah, so I wanted to talk a bit about the class structures and teaching methods sometimes that go with Hogwarts classes because there seems to be a lot less teaching and a lot more throw something at students and hope they don't get too injured sort of style going on. You know, prime example, they they go in to transfiguration class the first time and it's like, we're going to be changing this into this. Try it. So right away, I would have a lot of questions <laughs> and I don't know if that's partially because with magic, there is something unexplainable about it that a lot of it does have to be practiced mm. um, in a similar way of an instrument. You could technically explain, oh, when you hold down this and you blow into it this way, it'll do this thing. But like, you do have to actually try it, I think, to get it to work, you mm. know, to, to, to know what that means. So I don't know if magic is similar in that way. But when I just look at the structure of the classes, I just, I can't imagine what that would do to like kids who have anxiety issues. Me as a kid who had a lot of anxiety, like I would have been a wreck if mm. I just like had to suddenly face my worst fear with no warning in front of all of my peers who I already felt self-conscious in front of. Like that would be so anxiety inducing. Yeah. And, oh, I don't know what magical creature Hagrid's going to have when I get to the hut today. There's no preparation mentally, emotionally, any of this walking into a lot of these things. And I think Hagrid is the best example, the best culprit of this <laughs> because students absolutely should have been assigned reading about hippogriffs before ever interacting with them in person because it can be dangerous yeah. you know and students definitely should not have been a part of Hagrid's experiment to learn more about blasted scroots that's not what students are for you know I don't know. Do they eat? Do they eat this thing? Just try things. Like, that is not teaching and it's not healthy, especially when some of these creatures can hurt people mm -hmm. severely. And I think, kind of strangely, Snape might actually be the best at preparing students for in class assignments because we know that they have specific reading, we know that they have specific reports on ingredients, on how anecdote works, anecdotes anecdotes no. <laughs> get to come in with a fun story <laughs> yeah he would totally sit through that <laughs> how antidotes work also he has step-by-step -step instructions on the board they have books in front of them and so i think that they are actually a lot more prepared which yeah is strange because he, he does a lot of other bad things in the classroom <laughs> but i think in terms of the actual education they could get if you take away the verbal abuse and intimidation mm -hmm. would probably be one of the best examples of actual learning that could happen at hogwarts that's so interesting because i was thinking kind of the opposite although okay. you're, you're right that he I probably right. does prepare them for their in-class meetings very well but I also have a problem with the way that he does in-class meetings where it's, you have one attempt. By the end of class, you need to have this potion ready. 
and most potions seem to take all class to make. So you, you know, if you get something wrong and it's wrong at the end, then are you actually learning from this? You're not doing it over and over. You're not practicing this multiple times. You just have to read and write and then do the potion once. And if that's a kind of in-class exam or, or other kinds of things, I just think that there's there's stronger ways to do that that can give students more ability to actually learn from mistakes rather than just kind of an all or nothing way of looking at it. Part of it is probably time constraints. Right. But yeah. But yeah, because that's the thing is for a potion, it might take all class. It might take an hour and a half to brew a potion, whereas you don't need an hour and a half to say when Guardian Leviosa. You can try it as many <laughs> times as you want in one class. Seamus might, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I was also thinking about, though, that I'm very used to studies that largely involve books and lectures and papers, but with the exception of, of history of magic and I don't know, maybe some classes we don't know as much about like ancient runes. I think that classes at Hogwarts are largely hands-on. So the results of the students' efforts are going to be visibly showcased in front of the entire class mm. as individuals or as pairs often have to demonstrate them alone while everybody watches them which again anxiety mm -hmm. that is just I, I don't know it I just don't think it's necessarily a positive thing for kids who are just starting to learn about something especially muggle-born kids who didn't even grow up around it at all mm -hmm. and they're trying to learn what they're good at they might be trying to figure out what they're actually interested in and then you have to do that in front of all of your peers especially in a system where houses compete mm. for points and answering questions correctly or demonstrating something correctly earns you points it throws education and competition together which i don't think is necessarily good especially when people's results of of what they tried to do is evident to everybody to me it's just like a recipe for bullying and self-esteem issues or on the other side incredible arrogance and i mean look what it did to neville right and and it, it's great that neville found himself and whatever by the end of the series but would he if he'd been bullied if he'd been so low achieving for so many years and and everyone knew it you know would he be able to find a confidence I, I don't know i think that that would be very difficult so yeah 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 that kind of situation can also engender ideas of being upset at the hermione's for being knows know-it-alls mm -hmm. where it's not just that they are smart and capable but it's that that then makes you look bad because you're sharing this public platform mm -hmm. of you're all having to answer questions and be involved and do these spells. And if someone is doing it very, very easily, it makes it so that if you're struggling, that might frankly make you feel worse about it, but also it can make you feel like you are going to be evaluated worse. Mm-hmm. Well, and also you can ask a question to the class and if people raise their hands, you're like, in Gryffindor, well we're not going to even try to answer the question. We're just going to let Hermione do it because we'll get the most points that way, mm -hmm. right? Which is not encouraging participation. The idea that points should be given for correct answers is also just baffling to me. 
Yes, there are problems. There so, are problems. <laughs> that's what I wanted to talk about because I think some of the problems are, are Hogwarts problems, mm-hmm. but I think other parts of the problem have to do with magic and how some of those things come out in a classroom setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. But should we move into our compelling questions? That sounds like a good idea. I was wondering what you think about the restricted section in the library. Is that something that is appropriate for an educational institution like this? I think it is. And normally I'd be like, you shouldn't restrict education Mm -hmm. and learning and sources and, you know, all of that. So people can do their studies the best way possible. But when you're dealing with a book that can teach you how to make a horcrux where they can be looking up something that can kill another student, you know, I think it does make sense to have certain things more restricted because of how dangerous it can be. I mean, look at what's not restricted. (laughs) Everything's still already really dangerous, but Mm. the fact that there are things that are restricted and that you need a teacher to sign off on it to be able to access it for whatever project you're doing, that to me does make sense. And that to me is a step towards responsibility Mm. on the school's part, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, even things that aren't judged as being horrible, like a love potion. It takes agency away. It takes consent away. This is incredibly dangerous. Oh yeah, let's just have middle schoolers know how to make this like this yeah remember Devane could just put it in some cauldron cakes right so i think that it is appropriate to have a restricted section in this case what do you think yeah i think that this is an example of where the metaphor of hogwarts as a educational institution for our world breaks down outside of certain weapons which are actually more prevalent here in the United States than they are in the UK, children cannot do the same kind of damage with that kind of information as they can in the magical world. Mm -hmm. And so the ideals that we have that are based off of our society of free information and, you know, a lack of censorship and and things like that, they're not able to be a one-to-one analogy for what's going on at Hogwarts because things are just more dangerous because students have magic. I think that the, the, the clearest analogy I actually get is probably in one, ideas of hate speech and debates over whether texts that incorporate hate speech, for example, should be included in curricula or should be allowed on campus. And two, the information that can be used to create bombs or weapons mm-hmm. or things like that, much of which is certainly banned on campuses, even if they're not banned the same way or at least competently banned on the internet, where you can still get a lot of that information pretty easily. So I think that the idea of the research section being able to be accessible with a faculty permission, it does make a bit of sense to me because I think that there is, you know, if I thought about, for example, Mein Kampf, whether that should be allowed at a school, should it just be allowed for checkout by a student? Probably not. But a professor being able to walk them through it and actually be able to engage with it, give it historical context, be able to challenge racist or problematic ideas that can be still be a learning experience that can be valuable and hopefully would not just lead to radicalization and further hate. Totally. 
But what is your compelling question for me? I thought you as an educator would enjoy this question, which is what are two or three things you would change about education at Hogwarts? I had Just to limit it. Just two or three, it, yeah. But I also couldn't do one because that's ridiculous. Yeah, that, so. that was almost my question to you. So I'm <laughs> glad you're asking, frankly. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind for sure, and we, we've talked about this before, but is that they need a mental health professional on mm-hmm. campus. In the same way that particularly colleges have this, but I think that any particularly a, a school that the students are living at, they not yeah. shouldn't just have a nurse there to do all of their medical needs, but they should have someone who's a mental health specialist there because young people really need help in regards to mental health. And that's something I think that has been become more and more known over time. But even now, as you know, most schools in our society are still well behind on addressing this need. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we don't have murderous fascists who are trying to infiltrate our school. Or the fascists who already did infiltrate the school and tortures you. Exactly. Because you said something? (laughs) Precisely, yes, yes. But I know that, frankly, when I first started teaching at a college here in Los Angeles, that semester, two students killed themselves. Hmm. And ever since then, it's been a year and a half now, and there's still, I still get emails and things about, here are mental health resources, here mm-hmm. are memorials, here are things, ways that the community is is changing. You know, emails to faculty saying, hey, your students might be having a hard time this week. Uh, here's some ways that you can help make it easier on them, which I, I appreciate coming from this school and could not imagine happening at Hogwarts because <laughs> they just don't have any of that kind of service there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In general, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Particularly, you think, like, maybe when there is some monster roaming the halls and your classmate is petrified and there's hate speech being thrown around, maybe that would be a good time if you didn't think it was a good time before. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, what's number two? Number two is, and I'm going to do my best not to get angry about this. (laughs) But just do you everything. Mean, do you hold my hand? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Just everything? Is that just period? <laughs> no, just everything about the history of magic. <laughs> because I'm not only an educator, I'm also a historian. And the way that that class is represented in these books makes me so upset. Because yeah. it is, for one, a teacher who is in no way engaged with their students. He doesn't know their names. He doesn't pay attention if they're sleeping. Their presence in class doesn't really affect him. He, he's surprised when they start asking questions about the Chamber of Secrets because no one ever asks questions in that class. What good history class doesn't have people answer, asking questions? It's just, it upsets me so much. So already that <laughs> is frustrating that, that he's clearly not a good lecturer in that element. But the way that they're teaching the class, which goes along with that, is also frustrating because history as just memorizing of dates and names is bad history. That's bad teaching of history. That Mm -hmm. is helping you become an encyclopedia. It's not helping you understand historical thinking, historical processes and events, and in particular, what people went through, what they lived through, what they thought in history. A good history class should practice ideas of 
developing arguments, looking at historical sources and being able to contextualize them, being able to analyze them, build arguments based off of them, to understand who wrote this, why they wrote that, to what audience, how that compares to other sources at the time, how reliable that is, you know, other important historical questions, so that you can then contribute to the discussion that is history. Though there are certainly some facts and details where the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. That is true. But the interpretation of that, the ideas of how important that was, what caused that, what that led to, all of those are part of a discussion where there is no direct, true statement. There are arguments and conversations that are haven't had about it. And a good history class should help students get involved in that conversation, even to a small extent. Even having them writing a paper about, where they're making an argument about something. They're not just saying what happened in the Goblin Wars, the Goblin Rebellions, but why was the Goblin Rebellion, Rebellion an important element of this time period? Giving them something that they can actually chew on and develop their own thought processes on and, and, and make an argument based using evidence, that is historical thinking. Mm -hmm. And what are your sources? It doesn't seem like there's any goblin voices mm -hmm. that are talking about this from their perspectives, you know. Would they call it the Goblin Rebellion <laughs> at all? You know, yeah. for them, would it be... Revolution exactly. for independence. <laughs> and, and yeah, so without even engaging with, according to this source, Binns is putting out these ideas just as truth, just as fact. And that's not how history works. History is interpretation. History is different perspectives because sure, you know, the, the, the cliche is that history is written by the victors, but historians' job is to find out what happened beyond that narrative. So yes, that is something that is real frustration for me <laughs> when it comes to Hogwarts education. <laughs> Do we need to go test your blood pressure? <laughs> no, I'll just, I'll quickly do my third one. Um, and that is, there needs to be a better structure in how professors are chosen. You mean like, they have to be credentialed? <laughs> yes, like that. But they also just need to be chosen by more than one person. Whether that person is Dumbledore or Umbridge, both of those are problematic. And it's shown by the quality of professors they have you know Hagrid's mm -hmm. an example but so is Trelawney I think for Dumbledore's sake especially you know he is having Trelawney as a professor because he sees her as an important pawn in the chess game of what when Voldemort comes back I mean that's what you assume I think that she actually is correct about a lot of things that she says in just little predictions do I think she's always teaching things the best way I don't know what to say because I know nothing about <laughs> divination. Probably not, right? Any any time you're going to be like, many of you just won't have the gift. That's not Great motivating. teaching. Yeah, love that. <laughs> but I don't think she's as incompetent at actual divination as certainly. As people, I think. <laughs> yeah, as people assume. Yeah, yeah, and and I get that, but I think that either way she shouldn't be a teacher at hogwarts yeah well and the, like did, why don't they have any student teaching you know like will you partner with another professor that's actually good and yes absolutely. you learn how to do stuff um it, it it feels like everyone has tenure and they're given that just by dumbledore where they can do essentially whatever they want and dumbledore is just gonna protect them and do whatever he can to keep them there and there yeah, are if real Coral hadn't died, that. he still would have been there yeah, exactly. teaching the next year. Exactly. The tenure process in American universities 
does have some problems in and of itself, but at least it is a process that goes through peer evaluations. It's something where a full department reviews and puts this together, whether this is going to be something you're recommended for. It's not just a single person's decision at the end of the day, and Hogwarts doesn't even have anything like that. No. Like, Umbridge sitting in on other teachers, she's doing it for the wrong reasons, but there should be peer evaluations of your teaching. Oh, absolutely. And that's something that a lot of schools will have included in the way that that professors are not necessarily evaluated for like this is going to affect your job or your pay but as a way to say hey maybe there are ways that you can better this let you can learn from your peers there's constant professional development you should be doing right? this is a way you can do that what's hogwarts professors continuing education right <laughs> <laughs> when's the last time bins has gone to a pedagogy workshop can he go? <laughs> Does the workshop have to come to him? <laughs> yeah, so those are the three that come to mind for me. I'm sure you've got plenty, but what, what are the ones sticking out to you? Sure. So there's so many changes, uh-huh. but one of my main ones, top ones, is to include a full range of magical persons at Hogwarts. Mm. So goblins, house elves, squibs, centaurs, mermaids, werewolves, etc. Like, so true. not just included in the student body, which absolutely, but also in the faculty and staff and curriculum, mm-hmm. right? Of course, accommodations would have to happen. Great. Yeah, good. Do it. <laughs> For diet, people should be able to commute to school if you're a centaur and you live like right there, you know, and there would have to be, you know, a wider range of classes offered, obviously, because there's probably different sorts of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and alternative class requirements, too, for squibs, because they should be able to do potions and runes and even maybe divination. Definitely astronomy. Yeah, yeah. Like, right? Maybe they could learn something about defensive items or mm-hmm. you know something like it doesn't have to be this exclusionary human only you have to get invited via letter you know like totally. every person if they want to attend should be able to attend and maybe that means there has to be more schools there would definitely have to be more professors which i think is a very good thing because when you only have one professor and it's not working for you you can't switch to anyone else mm-hmm. And you can't get any other points of view. You can't get any other teaching styles. But yeah, so that would be my top one. Very good point. Also, scholarships for supplies and equipment. I'm kind of wondering about the whole wand thing. Mm. Like, students should get wands upon arrival. So no student is hindered in their studies because they don't have enough money to get the wand that's best for them. Yeah. Or like Ron, you broke your wand and now you do the rest of the school year not being able to do anything. I don't even know how he passed his classes. Probably because of Hermione. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, even if it wasn't, you can't bring a wand, but at least even if you did bring a wand, you would get tested to see if there was a better fit or, you know, whatnot, because that could have made a huge difference for Neville, Mm -hmm. right? And yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, the fact that... that (laughs) Ron had a broken <laughs> wand an entire year and no professor did anything about it. Right. They got Harry a Nimbus 2000 a year earlier. But... I know, McGonagall. <laughs> She's like, that wand needs replacing. And it's yeah, like, it she does. bought him the Nimbus 2000. <laughs> bad, bad McGonagall. Bad. <laughs> yes. So that. 
And then also professors should not essentially be dorm parents in addition to teachers. Mm. That cannot help teacher-student relationships. And I understand, like, abusing children, never okay in any circumstances. Mm -hmm. I do understand how it would be very difficult day after day to not snap or to not get annoyed, to not just get so frustrated with the students when you are living with them, you are eating with them, you have to patrol to see if they have gone out of bed and you're tired. Like, you're a professor, you shouldn't have to be chasing down students that are disobeying the rules, you know? Seriously, what happened to the 40-hour work week? (laughs) Right? No wonder the only hobby we see any professors partake in is drinking at the three broomsticks. (laughs) Drinking too much at the three (laughs) broomsticks. So yes, no, it's not okay for them to treat students poorly. It's also not okay to treat your teachers poorly Mm -hmm. like that and require them to do some superhuman feat of patience and graciousness and everything when it's like teachers already have a hard enough job. It would already be so difficult to have to teach in a classroom where kids have little weapons in their hands, you know, and then you're going to make them take care of, have quarters right next to these kids sneaking out. I just, I would not react well in that circumstance. (laughs) So I do have some compassion for the teachers, even though they do the wrong thing often. Not Mm. just Snape. McGonagall does too. She calls what idiot or, you know, imbecile or all sorts of stuff. So it's understandable, even if it's not okay, (laughs) that they're spread too thin. So yeah, those are three important ones. Yeah. But we could have an the, entire episode yeah, just answering those questions. We could questions, have five so. episodes just answering <laughs> totally. that Let's one Let's just make question. a new podcast about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't we move into our missed opportunities? What do you have? So I'm, my missed opportunity is that there's no engagement in the books with the role of a public school and the social debates that go along with that. Mm. Because Hogwarts even though it has more of the trappings for our society of a private school, it is really a public school. It's something that every student, every human student at least, who has magical ability is invited to come to and is very much a part of the way that the society is is centered around. This is where people are expected to get their education from. Almost every character we see does go to Hogwarts. So, you know, it still is taking the role of a public institution. And we in our society, I think, at this point take for granted many of the ways that schools serve multiple purposes. Yes, they're there for education. That is one of, if not the primary role that schools play. But as public schools in our society, they're playing a lot of other roles as well. They are community builders. They are daycares. They are places where children can go to get food, oftentimes mm-hmm. if they can't get that food at home. There is health care involved. There's all these other kinds There's of elements. clubs. Exactly. Socialization. Socialization, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which also, by the way, they don't have any arts at all. I mean, I know, right? So, oops, I did four. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Kind of similar how we were talking about earlier about how how just the danger of magic 
changes some of the ways that the institution has to work. I think that that also made the need for these other elements of a school's social role to come out earlier in the world of magic than it did for the muggle world, where public schools really became a thing, at least in the United States, about 100, 100 150 years ago, really in the late 1800s. And with the danger of uncontrolled magic, the need to make sure that every student has an education in how to control their magic is going to prompt that society to put more resources into what that education will look like, into creating an institution that will um, not only educate them, but also meet these other needs. And, and we see them mm-hmm. do some of that. You know, they're, they're given food the entire time they're there and, and, and a place to stay. They have Madame Pomfrey there. They've got Quidditch, which does do some of those kinds of community building and social roles. Yay, sports as much where as, we try to hurt each other. Yes, <laughs> the problems that come along with it. At least it's trying to engage with that in some ways. But these are things that I not only wish there was more of an explicit engagement with how Hogwarts is filling this role for society, but the way that society is therefore invested in it as an institution that mm-hmm. go along with that, where we see constant debates in our society about what role education should play, how much funding it should get, what kinds of curriculum it should it should have, what are the roles for teachers, you know, what other services should be offered on campuses. And you have parents advocating for certain things exactly. or wanting to take their students out of certain schools. Exactly. And we just don't see any of that here. I would love to see, you know, the, the closest that we get really is Lucius in book two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's on the board of governors. Mm-hmm. Not really because he cares about his son so much as he likes the power. Absolutely. And I'm guessing because he probably donates a lot to the school. That's another element, is we don't know where all the money that comes to pay for the school comes from and how that would impact these discussions. Because when it's taxpayer dollars or when it's public funds, that's also going to bring another important element where even the Weasleys can come in and say what their demands are in a way that if it's a private institution and they aren't paying the same way the Malfoys are, it'll be different power dynamics there. So yeah, I would just love to see how society in the wizarding world grapples with what the role of education is and what would strengthen that role. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Really important. Yeah. What is your missed opportunity? So mine is that within the books themselves, there is never any mention of university. Mm-hmm. So is this the only education, magical education that they get? Are there other options after that to further your study i think i remember something about if you wanted to work at st mungo's as a healer that required additional education afterwards but Mm. i don't know what institution that would Mm -hmm. come through if that'd come through st mungo's Mm. or another uh yeah and i i imagine that it's there like Mm -hmm. i imagine that you have to be able to with certain things but we don't really see any of it. And when they're talking about owls and newts, it was less about these will help prepare you for what program you want to go into. It was more like you have to do this for what career you want to have. And maybe that's a little more European. I'm not sure. But like, at least here in the United States, people change their majors so many times. And you major in something and then... You get a master's for a more narrow focus Mm -hmm. in what field that you want to continue to do stuff in. And then you can go even farther for a PhD, right? And it's like, so are you studying well enough for whatever job? They don't even know what jobs are available. Harry's like, 
I guess they could be in order. <laughs> I've looked at three pamphlets, so this is the one that seems most interesting to me. <laughs> I'm super traumatized, but I guess this is a good good thing. Let's go into law enforcement. Yeah, so there's just, there isn't adequate preparation. There's not, yeah, really engagement with it at all. And considering you could have had a different teacher every year and such drastically varying levels of quality education, that's maybe all you get is just terrifying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why the magical society is so terrible and like messed (laughs) up. But um, yeah, and, and yeah, like I mentioned before, like you can't do anything artistic with magic mm. at, for a job because there's n- there's not even a class yeah it's just what about the arts you could do amazing things with magic mm-hmm. and that's just not there at all yeah makes sense so what's your takeaway from our discussion <laughs> that there just is so much wrong with hogwarts and so much more <laughs> to talk about um <laughs> But I think one of the things that came to me through my research and through this discussion was wanting to see if I could read any characters as having learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. I definitely saw some people who talked about how perhaps Harry's malnourishment and abuse growing up might have affected his ability to focus. I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, And I was like, yeah, I never thought about that, but I could totally Mm -hmm. see that. And, you know, studies have very much shown that the environment that a a child is in is going to heavily impact their success in school. And beyond that, there's just a huge number of people who have learning disabilities and are still able to find success, but sometimes need different kinds of support. Kind of like what you were talking about before, and, and most schools will have offices that are there to support those. And so it would kind of be interesting to see Neville through that lens mm-hmm. in terms of he just didn't have the right tools to be able to succeed educationally because oftentimes if you're not neurotypical in certain ways that are advantageous for academic study, school just isn't structured for you. And it, it's typically not a big, difficult thing to just restructure it in a way that is no longer difficult. Yeah, uh, we, we just finished watching Ragnarok, where the mm. main character is dyslexic. And he uses speak to write programs that make it so that he can have words translated to audio. Mm-hmm. And then he's able to write really intelligently and understand things really well. It's just that reading is difficult. Are there students at Hogwarts who have magical tools that help them to learn in alternative modes? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's your takeaway? Yeah, so I think my takeaway is just that Hogwarts does a really bad job in general. Gasp. And even, like, the best teachers we see still have problems, but trying to... Maybe instead of only just judging it, also leaving some room for where I should think about how magic could make it more difficult mm. for it to be more competent or for it to be better. 
yeah, look at the caliber of teachers. But do we know what the pool of teachers, you know, applying? Yeah. Or is anyone applying? They couldn't even find someone to fill the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. And that's why I mean, Dolores with, was there. As you mentioned before, with the number of responsibilities these teachers are given, maybe... Who wants to? Exactly. If they have universities, maybe they just don't want to go teach there, yeah. you know? So, yes, <laughs> judging it, but also... Where does magic just make it so much more difficult to do well? And, and we can't even do it very well here in the United <laughs> States without magic. So, <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, that will finally wrap up this episode <laughs> on education. What will we be talking about next week? So we are going to be returning to The Hunger Games and The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And we are going to be looking at them through the theme of ability. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of A Geek Between the Lines. You can find links to our social media and our website in the episode description, or you can join us at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines if you want to become one of our supporters. That will get you access to fun extra content each month, and it will also help keep us sustainable. You can also help us by leaving a rating or review or telling a friend about the show. If you know any Harry Potter fans who also like education, you can send this over to them. Let's be honest, you do. You do. <laughs> you know the, someone. That Bendigut diagram is not that far apart. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek, geek out. out.